just when you thought there was no hope for baby boomers. It's the Rational Boomer Podcast. Logic, common sense, compassion. Yeah, who knew? Now, here's Mike. Welcome back to the Rational Boomer Podcast. I hope you had a great week this week. It's been a long one. A lot of stuff happening. And I hope you have plans for a good weekend. I know I do. I'm going to spend most of Saturday out at a uh, soccer jamboree for my uh, grandson who will be playing. It'll be nine-year-olds playing soccer, so you know it's going to be high-level and intense. But the best part of it is I get to stand on the sidelines and cheer along with his sister, our 14-month-old granddaughter. And anytime I get a chance to spend time with those kids or watch kids play sports, I can't think of a better time than that. So I'm pretty jacked up about Saturday this weekend. Sunday, I don't know what's going on. Don't care because I'm too excited about Saturday. Well, today in this podcast, I want to talk about some of the things you're seeing in the news, some of the things we're hearing about in government, because we know the news stories, but I don't know that the mainstream media really does a good job explaining everything around these stories. And these stories have a lot of things happening around them, so it's important to know all of what's going on. It's easy to hear something on the news for about 30 seconds and think, okay, that's the deal. But in fact, there's more to it, more things you need to know. And hopefully we can clarify some of that today with some of these particular stories. Now, the first thing I want to talk about, it kind of brings us into that whole process, but uh, it's a precursor to that uh, line of stories that we'll be talking about today. But just a couple of days ago, there was a hearing. I don't even know what the basis of the hearing was, but the U.S. House of Representatives was talking to people from the Defense Department, like Secretary of Defense um, Lloyd Austin and uh, General Milley, among others. And uh, it was kind of a standard fare. But then our buddy, Matt Gates got his chance to question the folks. And, of course, Matty Gates doesn't have enough troubles. He's got to make a fool out of himself as well. So now, Matt Gates brought this whole idea of critical race theory within the military and how he was upset about that. See, apparently Matt Gates is not interested or is worried about people learning about racism, what happened, how it happened. I mean, we need to learn these things so we can avoid doing them in the future. But apparently Matt Gates is really concerned about anybody talking about racism at any time and learning anything about it. That says a lot about that young man. So anyway, Matt is questioning uh, Secretary of Defense Lloyd Austin about this critical race theory and how it was in the military and how he was upset about it and how everybody in the world's upset about it. You know Matt Gates. I like to call him Matt Barely Legal Gates. <laughs> Matt Gates has got problems coming up very shortly in the month of July regarding his criminal situations. But that's that's beside the point now. So he's asking Lloyd Austin about this critical race theory and how it's employed In the military. Now, there was one other general that wanted to pipe in and say something, but Matt Gates quickly cut him off. 
We didn't know why at the time, but later we find out, and you'll find out as well. But uh, he asked this of Lloyd Austin, the Secretary of Defense. And of course, uh, Secretary Austin was very diplomatic, very political about this whole thing, explaining that's not something we teach in the military. That's not really a part of the military situation. You don't have to worry about it. And then Matt kept harping on him, and uh, Lloyd Austin got upset. Not upset, but frustrated anyway. And it was very calm, very collected. Now, the next representative that had their chance to uh, question the people in the Defense Department was a Democrat. And I don't remember her name. I'm sorry for that. But she stood up and said, you know, I think uh, General Milley wanted to say something, and I'd be happy to give him some of my time so that he could do that. And General Milley, in fact, did do that and uh, addressed Matt Gates, And it was an interesting response, to say the least. They're calling it a viral response. So I want you to hear it. Here's General Milley talking to Matt Gates right now. On the issue of critical race theory, et cetera, I'll, I'll obviously have to get much smarter on whatever the theory is. Um, but I do think it's important, actually, uh, for those of us in uniform to be open-minded and be widely read. And the United States Military Academy is a university. Uh, and it is important that we train and we understand. Uh, and I, I want to understand white rage. And I'm white. And I want to understand it. So what is it that caused thousands of people to assault this building and try to overturn the Constitution of the United States of America. What caused that? I want to find that out. I want to maintain an open mind here, and I do want to analyze it. It's important that we understand that, because our soldiers, sailors, airmen, Marines, and Guardians, they come from the American people. So it is important that the leaders, now and in the future, do understand it. I've read Mao Zedong. I've read, I've read Karl Marx. I've read Lenin. That doesn't make me a communist. So what is wrong? with understanding, having some situational understanding about the country for which we are here to defend. And I personally find it offensive that we are accusing the United States military, our general officers, our commissioned, non-commissioned officers of being, quote, woke or something else because we're studying some theories that are out there. That was started at Harvard Law School years ago, and it proposed that there were laws in the United States anti-bellum laws prior to the Civil War that led to uh, a power differential with African Americans that were three-quarters of a human being when this country was formed. And then we had a Civil War and Emancipation Proclamation to change it. And we brought it up to the Civil Rights Act in 1964. It took another 100 years to change that. So look it, I do want to know. And I respect your service, and you and I are both Green Berets. But I want to know. And it matters to our military and the discipline and cohesion of this military. And I thank you for the opportunity to make a comment on that. So there's General Milley putting a slap down on Matt Gates, And all Matt could do was shake his head, look like deer in the headlights, and uh, be embarrassed as hell, and as well as he should, because he brought up a point that wasn't an issue, and General Milley pointed out why it was an important issue. Now, I'm sure Matt Gates has gone away with his tail between his legs, but when you're a guy who's up for... <laughs> sexual trafficking, sleeping with a 17-year-old girl, uh, and all the charges that he has against him, <laughs> this is the least of his problems, this embarrassment. But as I'm watching that, and that gets out and does go viral, then I start hearing Republicans and even the, the, the right-leaning media 
getting angry about it. That this general had the audacity to say, yeah, I'd like to learn about racism. I'd like to understand what it is. He says, I've read Lenin. I've read uh, Mao. I've read uh, all these different things, and they don't make me communist. I think it's important we know what is going on. Now, this upset a lot of folks. And you know what the Republicans did? (laughs) They're out there screaming, we should defund the military. This is Republicans saying, we should defund the military. Because it's funny, when Donald Trump was in office, he sent them $740 billion in their current budget. They weren't looking to defend or defund the military then. And this is what's so confusing to me. Because it seems like the Republican Party is 180 degrees different than they were four years ago before Donald Trump. Donald Trump comes in, everything switches around. And all these beliefs that they felt so strongly about are now totally different. You don't believe me? (laughs) Well, let's look, look at some of them. Donald Trump uh, uh, was uh, a guy who liked to spend money and go into debt. But the Republicans were always dead set against increasing the debt. They would fight over it. They would scream about Democrats wanting to do this bill or that bill or help these people and how it was going to raise the debt. They were always deadly against it. But funny, in the four years that Donald Trump was in office... Trump and the Republicans increased the debt by $7.8 trillion, more than any president in history. Now, these are the Republicans that hate the debt, but somehow they saw fit and they rationalized out that they could spend and go into debt to the tune of another $7.8 trillion. They don't want $2 trillion for an infrastructure deal, deal, but they are happy to give away $7.8 trillion and have nothing to show for it. So what's the switch? Well, the switch is only Donald Trump. They had one feeling one day, and now all of a sudden they believe, let's just spend crazy. Unless the Democrats want to do it, of course. Then they want to cut back on that. Then they start screaming about the debt after They increased it by $7.8 trillion. Now, um, these are also the same people that have been strongly for the blue, for the police. They fought for the police. We stand up for the police. Yet when we have the insurrection, we have all these white supremacists, Trump-following dipshits. And what do they do? They attack the police. They beat the police. They even killed some police officers. But these are the people that are supposed to be supporting the police. So you see, the point of it is, is they support whoever they want to support until they go against them. And then it's a matter of all bets are off. We can do whatever we want because they have the audacity to think and say something different than we believe. That's the kind of people we're dealing with here when it comes to the Republicans and Donald Trump and those acolytes of Donald Trump. 
And then we get to this whole other point now where they're talking about defunding the military. And why? Because the military, or at least this one general, was speaking out about racism, the critical race theory. And he was supporting the fact that we should know about this. He said the military is part of a university, and they teach a lot of things there. And race history, racial history, is one thing that should be taught. Like he said, like I said, he feels everybody should know everything about everything, so they know not to cause that kind of tragedy again. And unfortunately, this is what pisses off the Republicans. So my question is, why the difference? The only difference in terms of what happened in the uh, the Republican Party is Donald Trump. As I said, they were dead set against the uh, the debt, but they grew it faster than anybody. They were all about protecting the cops, but then they started beating up cops and killing cops. Now they uh, aren't fans of the cop, and now the military. The general has the audacity to say something that's contradictory to them, and they believe <laughs> that the military should be defunded. And it's all because anybody who comes up against them and is contrary to them, they go into fight mode, and they go into kill mode. You don't get a chance to speak differently than we speak, so now we're going to take you down. Everything is a threat with them. If you don't lie with us, we'll strip you of all your committee assignments. Ask Liz Cheney about that. All she did is want to tell the truth, but they stripped her because she had the audacity to go against them. Now, the Republican Party has always been this party that seemed to be more sophisticated and stand above it all. But now they're in the gutter. Now they're in the ditch digging around in the mud, and it's because of Donald Trump. Now, you would think at some point, some point during this whole process, they would say, well, this is ridiculous. This is making us look stupid. This is not going to play well for us in the future. We need to get away from it. But instead, they embrace it more. They send Kevin McCarthy down to Mar-a-Lago to get on a knee to make sure that Donald Trump is still part of the Republican Party, maybe even run in 2024, and then that keeps his name out there. That keeps him in charge of the Republican Party. Unfortunately, Donald Trump is a crazy son of a bitch, says anything, makes things up, certainly lies a lot, and that's who the Republican Party is. I've said this before. There are people in the Republican Party that say, I don't follow Donald Trump. I don't believe the things he says. Well, that's good. But unfortunately, your party as a whole has decided to do that. So as long as you're a Republican, you are part of that fucking mess. And that's unfortunate for you. But you either need to try to fix it or just acquiesce and... Join the crowd and be a dipshit and be a criminal, be a treasonist like these people are. It just strikes me strange that the Republican Party is 180 degrees different now than they were four and a half years ago when Donald Trump took office. (laughs) There's a saying going out that uh, says that everything Donald Trump touches dies. 
And that's looking more and more the case with the Republican Party. I mean, for all intents and purposes, the Republican Party is dead. What is there is the Trumplican Party. The Republican Party, as we once knew it, does not exist any longer. And the problem with Donald Trump, nothing he does continues. Nothing he does is successful. Eventually, it dies. Everything he's done has failed. And now they're willing to risk their party by standing in line with Donald Trump, knowing that it's going to fail, knowing that it's going to die. So it's, a, it's very interesting to watch this whole process. You know, to see what these people are willing to do just to get some votes. They changed everything about themselves. They're doing dirty tricks. Now, let's be honest. Dirty tricks in politics isn't new. But some of the shit they're doing is way beyond anything we saw. You know, we got Richard Nixon breaking into the Democratic headquarters to steal some information. In retrospect, that seems like small potatoes compared to getting a crowd of people to break into the U.S. Capitol to try to overturn a constitutional event and our democracy. (laughs) I wish all they did was break into the Democratic Party because at least we'd have some people that aren't injured or dead or all the fear and concern in this country because of how close we came to what essentially was a coup by a bunch of treasonists. Now, we're starting to see some uh, court cases with these treasonists. And I just wanted to bring something up very quickly. The first person to be sentenced amongst the insurrectionists was a woman now, she didn't really do much. There was a, she was a low-level actor in this situation. She didn't break anything. She didn't steal anything. But she was there, and she was inside the Capitol. What she got was three years probation, 40 hours of community service, and $500 fine. Now, a lot of people are saying, oh, my God, they're just letting them off with nothing. Well, that's not the case. That's just not the case. This woman was a low-level offender. The prosecution got exactly what they asked for. They asked for three years probation, 40 hours of uh, community service, and a $500 fine. So the judge, who spent a long time um, bemoaning the atrocities of this group of people, gave the prosecutors exactly what they asked for. That's the good news. We've got a judge that is focused on what happened there and understands truly how bad it was. This woman is sentenced now. Doesn't seem like a big deal, but she didn't do much there. But there's another case coming up very shortly, or in the process now, where an oath keeper decided to flip and plead out. We don't know what he's going to be sentenced with, but he's being uh, charged with a a conspiracy, uh, among other things, that are much higher level, that are 20-year jail terms. But he's agreed to flip and plead out because he wants to cut as much off as he can from that uh, jail term, uh, and he's going to flip on whoever, whenever they need to. 
So we won't know the sentencing with that situation for a while until he gets out all his information and they prove that it's true and all of that so they can use it in future trials. But you can bet he's not going to get probation. He's going to do some jail time. It may not be as much as had he not flipped, but he will do some jail time. But what you can get out of this is two things. First of all, the first was a small-level case, granted. But the prosecution got exactly what they asked for. And the judge was upset about the level of crime during this insurrection. He's angry about it. Now, this other guy pleaded out, so he's going to be ratting on a bunch of people. He's not going to be given any easier time when he's sentenced than the prosecution agreed to give him for giving up the information that he is on whoever and whatever was going on that day. So as much as a lot of people might want to think, well, they're just going easy on these people, that's not the case. This woman wasn't going to get a lot of jail time or anything because she wasn't involved in the deeper level of this insurrection. She, somebody was there, was following along and partaking. And then, frankly, she's guilty too, but the prosecutors got exactly what they wanted for her in this particular case. There are 500 cases coming, and there's going to a lot of, be a lot of people flipping, and there's going to be a lot of people going to jail. And these people that flip are going to expose more of the sitting congressmen or women that were responsible for helping them plan this, helping them guide them through the House of Representatives to do their insurrection. And when that happens, shit is going to come from the skies on these congressional people. They will all be Republicans as far as we know. And this is going to do some incredible damage to the Republicans. Remember what I said, everything Donald Trump touches turns to shit and dies? This is going to be the start of it. When Republicans are exposed for some of the treasonous things they did, they are going to be hard-pressed to get elected for anything. Even Republicans, when they find out that these people did what they did, are going to have a problem. So, we'll be watching what happens with the insurrectionists and their trials As days go on here, we'll hear more and more about it, and you'll hear some people going to jail, and we'll find out that more information was given up by the people who plead out. There'll be some lower-level people like this lady who will get lesser sentences. Don't get upset about that. Everybody is going to get the sentence they deserve for whatever crimes they committed. All right, we've got some more stuff for you, and we'll be back in about 35 seconds. Wyndham Hotels and Resorts makes travel possible for all. Whether it's the long haulers looking for a great cup of coffee, a roomier rest for the on-a-wim road trippers, or a place to make summer memories with the whole family. No matter who you are, where you're going, or why, with 24 trusted brands to choose from like La Quinta, Days Inn, and Super 8, your Wyndham is waiting. Get the lowest price at WyndhamHotels.com. Restrictions apply. Visit website for more details. Okay, next in the news, we've got Rudy Giuliani. Oh, we love Rudy Giuliani, don't we? 
Well, we found out today that his law license in New York was suspended. Not surprising, given all the things he's done and all the things he's been involved in and all the investigations that are looking into him and some of the crimes he's committed. But there are a lot of people out there saying, and this is where the confusion comes in, saying, well, he just got suspended. He should be disbarred. Well, just be patient with that. Because, you see, they've suspended it on an interim basis. But in the paperwork written by the court, they were pretty sure that Rudy Giuliani was doing some things and continuing to doing some things that were illegal. They have to wait till they get to a hearing to decide what Rudy Giuliani's ultimate fate is, what the actual punishment will be. What they've done now is just shut him down so he can't do any more damage up until the time they can have the hearing to decide what his what his uh, punishment will be. And frankly, to be perfectly honest with you, uh, based on what the court said and what we know is going on with Rudy Giuliani, he isn't going to get his license back. He's ultimately going to be disbarred and no longer be able to practice law in New York. I don't know that he can practice law anywhere else for that matter, but he is going to have his day in court and he is going to pay the price. Now, the reason they suspended the license is because of the flagrant lying in court, these crazy theories about how the election was rigged and he talked about all these things he had in paper and that that uh, he had all this proof. And, of course, none of it was proof. And he couldn't even be consistent with what was in the proof. He had different numbers of people listed and, and it changed every time he spoke. So clearly he was lying. The court knew he was lying. And so this is why the bar suspended his license. As I say, there will be a hearing to decide what his ultimate punishment is, and chances are excellent that he will be disbarred and no longer to act as an attorney. Now, that's a tough situation for um, Rudy Giuliani. I mean, this guy was a respected guy. He was uh, a prosecutor, the head prosecutor in, in the SDNY, he was mayor of New York. He was lauded for his actions during 9-11. They called him America's mayor. Later, he was the personal attorney of the president of the United States. Now he's this goofball with dye running down his face every time they put up a picture. And uh, they've suspended his license and probably going to disbar him goes back to what I said before. Everything Donald Trump touches goes to shit and dies. And Rudy Giuliani's career is in the process of dying because he was touched by Donald Trump. He believed Donald Trump. He continues to support Donald Trump. Hell, Donald Trump didn't even pay him for his services, and this dipshit is still following him. I don't know what Donald Trump has to get people to stick with him. I mean, is it strictly some kind of coercion or some kind of blackmail that he has on everybody so that these people stick by him? But even when he's like he's running down the street burning, these people still follow him. And this is going to be Rudy Giuliani's demise. He can't 
stop protecting Donald Trump and lying for Donald Trump and coming up with all these crazy lies about the election. So he's out of business as an attorney. But that doesn't mean he isn't going to court. (laughs) Because, you see, while this is all going on, Rudy Giuliani, Mike Lindell, the pillow guy, and Sidney Powell, that crazed fucking female lawyer that is constantly spewing just garbage. Both, all three went to court today to try to get their lawsuits by Dominion against them dismissed. Now, each one of them is being sued by Dominion for over a billion dollars because of the lies they put out there about their company and about their voting machines. They were clearly lies. Dominion can prove they are lies. And so they filed lawsuits against these three people. Now, what they had to do today was they had to go to court and try to argue their case to get these lawsuits dismissed. I don't think it's been announced yet whether they're going to do that or not, but the fact of the matter is there's absolutely no chance that they're going to dismiss these. It's just not going to happen. They are going to have to go to trial. They will get sued, and they are likely to lose or work out some kind of compromise deal where they pay it and don't announce what it is. So no matter what happens, what they did to Dominion voting machines was wrong, was illegal, and they are going to have to pay the price. Now, let's be honest. They're not going to get a billion dollars out of each one of these people. Together, they couldn't come up with a billion dollars. But they are going to break these people to a point where they can't do anything anymore. They will lose And they'll be forced to pay the billion dollars, but they'll never have the billion dollars. But every time they turn around, that debt will come to pass and it will screw up their life. Or they will come up with some kind of offer to shut the lawsuit down. It'll be decidedly less than a billion dollars. But it'll be enough to pretty much shut each one of these characters down. It's surprising to me that they don't understand that. We're talking about two lawyers and a businessman who probably experienced lawsuits from the other side. So they know exactly how this is going to go. And if they know how this is going to go, why would they walk into it face first? Doesn't make any sense. They know they're going to lose. They know they are lying. So what's the deal? Why are they doing this? Well, it goes back to buying into the Trump bullshit, and everything Donald Trump touches dies. And these three people's careers are going to die. Mike Lindell's company is going to get crushed, and uh, you won't hear from him again unless he's busted for smoking or selling crack at some point again, because that's where he's headed. He's made a fool of himself. He's got every retail outlet saying, yeah, we don't want to sell your shit. The people that work for Mike Lindell, I feel sorry for. They're not doing anything but their job, but their boss is doing everything to put them out of business and them out of jobs, and that's unfortunate. The last thing I wanted to talk about was the infrastructure bill. Now, we've been hearing a lot about this. We know that the Democrats want to do as much as $2 trillion or maybe $6 trillion. 
we know the Republican Senate does not want to do anything at all. But uh, our problem with reconciliation is that we have two senators, Manchin and Cinema, who oftentimes side with the Republicans. So now we could get this infrastructure bill passed on reconciliation if we could get all 50 Democrats to vote for it and then have Kamala Harris break the tie and pass the bill on reconciliation. The trouble is Manchin and Cinema don't seem to like the idea of signing on to that bill. So there's no way we can get 10 Republicans as it stood then. And we can't even win a reconciliation if we can't get Manchin and Cinema on board. So what the hell do you do? I once told you that when you're talking about Joe Biden, you're talking about Nancy Pelosi, even Chuck Schumer to a certain extent, but lesser extent. I don't think Chuck Schumer is as strong a leader as Nancy or Joe is. He's nowhere near that. He's just too weak. But anyway, the thing about it is, is these people have worked in this business for a long time. You can give them credit, you can like it, you can not like it, but the fact of the matter is they know how to play the game, and that is the key. And that was the big problem with Donald Trump. He had no idea how to play the game. That's why he got very little done except that bullshit tax credit or tax break that he got for the rich people. So we've got these cagey old veterans now working on this, and it looks like they've come up with a plan to get it done. Now, what you're hearing on TV may confuse you because what you're hearing is that there is some bipartisan deal with Republican senators and Democratic senators agreeing on something, something we don't know what it is yet, for the infrastructure bill. And even Joe Biden came out today and said, yep, we got a deal. Well, that's interesting because... When you look at the bipartisan group, there are five Democratic senators and five Republican senators. In order for to get a bipartisan bill passed with 60 votes, you need all the Democratic senators. And you need 10 Republican senators. But as I said, in this particular group, there was only five Republican senators. So how can you say there's a deal? How do we even know what the deal is yet? Nothing has been told to us about what's in the deal. The one thing you can count on, though, is that this deal is far smaller than anything the Democrats were putting together. So the question is, where did they compromise? What did they cut out? Who's paying for it? As I've said before, and I'll say again, one of the big issues of this bill is who's going to pay for it. The Democrats and Joe Biden want the rich to pay for it. They aren't paying much in the way of taxes anyway. It's about time they step up and do something. That's who they want to pay for this infrastructure bill. Now, the Republicans have a different take on this. They want to do it the old-fashioned way and take it out of our ass, the middle class, gas taxes, and that sort of thing. Now, it isn't hard to decide if you're a middle-class person what you think is the best way to go. And the Republicans certainly had their fair share of middle-class people and lesser 
class people in terms of finances in their ranks. But these people will vote for anything the Republicans do just by virtue of them being Republicans. So we don't know what's in this bipartisan bill, but now we're hearing about something else with this. And this is where the cagey part comes in of Nancy Pelosi and Joe Biden. What they're suggesting is, yeah, we may sign the bipartisan bill. And that's the other thing I need to tell you about that bipartisan bill. Say you got the bipartisan bill and 10 Republican senators decided to vote for it. Well, there's a lot of progressive Democratic senators that say, I'm not signing a bipartisan bill. It's too small. It's not going to do anything. I'm not going to sign for it. So even if you get the 10 senators from the Republican side, you may lose some of the Democratic senators and still not get it passed. So what do you do about that? Well, of course, in Congress and in the Senate, it's all about compromise. And what I'm hearing about this compromise kind of confuses me, but it also excites me if it's true. So Nancy Pelosi and some of the other progressive people in the Democratic Senate and the Democratic House have said, okay, we'll pass this bipartisan bill, but only if the Democrats' own reconciliation bill gets passed as well. Now, here's the interesting thing. We don't know what the bipartisan bill is. We know there's going to be a lot of stuff not involved in it that the Democrats want. But they're going to play the game and hopefully sign the bipartisan bill so that it looks like they did something bipartisan. But now the Democrats, Nancy Pelosi and even Joe Biden, are saying, we will only sign this bipartisan bill if at the same time we sign a bigger Democratic reconciliation bill. Now, I was just watching um, Tlaib, Representative Tlaib, on TV, and she's talking about $6 trillion and do it through reconciliation. But you're probably saying to yourself, well, what about Manchin and Cinema? Well, Manchin and Cinema are in on this bipartisan deal. They like the whole look of being a bipartisan group. So they want to get this bipartisan bill passed. So now what Nancy Pelosi and Joe Biden have created is some leverage. Okay. We'll pass the bipartisan bill if we can follow up with the reconciliation bill for anywhere from two to six trillion dollars. And that passes. We aren't going to do anything with the bipartisan bill until the bigger reconciliation bill passes. So you see what happens here. This puts pressure on Manchin and uh, cinema. Now, They don't really have to do anything to pass this reconciliation bill as long as they have 50 votes and Kamala Harris as the tiebreaker. They don't have to do anything. They don't need the Republicans to do that. And this is perfectly possible because this has to do with a budget issue, and that is the only kind of thing you can bring to vote on a reconciliation. So Joe Manchin wants to look like the guy who put together a bipartisan bill. Cinema too. She was in the mix as well. So now they're going to force them to pass the big reconciliation bill, get Manchin and uh, Cinema on board on the big bill in order to sign the smaller 
bipartisan bill. Now, see, what, what, what I find difficult to understand is if the Republicans are just dead set against this big money going out, why would they agree to do the bipartisan bill under the condition that the bigger bill were passed? You see, it's not about money as much as it's about what it looks like, what the perception is, that they were bipartisan. I'm sure they're thinking to themselves, if we do this, then maybe we can stop them from doing the busting up of the filibuster. I don't think they will stop that. I think that will still occur. But Republicans are probably thinking to themselves, okay, we can look good and put a hold on that filibuster if we go along with this situation. It's a weird situation. But the bottom line is, if they can pull this off, whatever's in the bipartisan bill, hopefully we'll find that out soon, will be a a small step forward in getting this country back on track, both the people in this country, the infrastructure, and any number of other things. But if we get the bigger bill, the $2 trillion or $6 trillion bill, whichever it's going to be, then we can get everything fixed. It just seems strange to me that the Republicans would agree to that. But it's really more on Mansion and Cinema. Because in order to pass that big bill, they don't need the Republicans. They just need Mansion and Cinema. And since the bipartisan bill is part of their baby, they want to look good, so they will agree to sign the big bill if they give them the smaller bill. It's weird. This whole thing in Congress is a game. We all understand that. It's a big fucking game. And because it's a game, they have to play it. And uh, the bottom line for me is as long as we get this country moving, get that infrastructure bill moving, we will be in good shape. You see, the way they plan to pay this $6 trillion bill is $3 trillion of it would come out of the rich people, the people who don't pay taxes anymore. The other $3 trillion will come out of the country, but with a new GDP, GDP coming up of like 7.2 or something like that, $3 trillion represents maybe 2% of that GDP. So we're well in a situation to be able to afford this, especially if we get the rich people to do their part and pay what they should be paying. So all of this is conceivable. All of this is possible. There's going to be some messing around and goofing around and some setbacks and that kind of stuff. But I believe that with the likes of Nancy Pelosi involved and Joe Biden and some of these other rep- or some of these other senators, we may get this done. And if we do get it done, it's going to be a banner year for Joe Biden and a banner year for this country because it's going to do a lot of good for this country and it's going to make it a lot harder for people to vote Republican come 2022. So hopefully that clarifies it a little bit for you. There will be some changes and some different things, and we'll cover that as time goes on. But hopefully we got some of this information out to make you understand a little better what's being bantered about in the news. Well, it's about time to wrap things up, so let's do that. I hope you have a great weekend. Again, a reminder, we want you to participate in the program, so make sure you go to anchor.fm and leave a voicemail. Just click the link in my bio, profile, bio, whatever the hell you want to call it. Or 
um, give send send an email to me at rationalboomer at gmail.com. We like to incorporate your thoughts and questions into the program, so start making them. Again, you have a great weekend. We'll talk to you again real soon. Thanks for listening to the Rational Boomer Podcast. Don't forget to subscribe so you don't miss an episode. We'll see you next time.